0: Welcome back to another episode of the Balancing Hormones Naturally podcast. So we have Katie Edmonds on, which, okay, get ready. So she is a nutritional therapist, paleo autoimmune certified coach, and creator of the popular blog called Heal Endo. And she just had a book come out called The Anti-Inflammatory Approach to Healing from Endometriosis, or it is called Heal Endo in my mind. That's what it's called. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So we are literally... Gonna talk about endometriosis. If you thought we were gonna talk about something else, you're crazy. So um let's just jump in. So I connected with you through Dr. Angie Miller, who's been on the podcast a few times because we Mm -hmm. love talking about public floor over here. And so yeah, I I just I want to hear your story. So you have, I guess you still have to say have because you can't say it's technically gone, it's in remission. Yes. Um, Endometriosis. And I love how you you got this diagnosis and you're like, this isn't going to define me with infertility and pain and digestive issues and quality of life. So can you kind of walk us through like when you got that um,
1: diagnosis to when you were like, okay, let's do something about this. Yeah, well, you know, I'll be honest, that it did kind of define me at first. So I was 22, and I was super lucky to be diagnosed really early. Um, It was suspected endometriosis because they have to do an invasive laparoscopy in order to actually diagnose you. So um, it was suspected, and, you know, I was told the exact same thing women are told all the time you have birth control, you have chemical menopause as an option, like Lubron, you have these generic surgeries. So the same people who deliver babies are actually going to go inside of you and just remove this, you know, random tissue. They say, we don't know much about it. Um, and then the, the holistic side is like cut out all these foods and lower your estrogen. So I was, you know, I felt really screwed over at 22, 23 with chronic pelvic pain. Um, it was, It was for me all the time, not just at my period or not even at my period. So I was actually really lucky to be diagnosed without having period pain because a lot of people wouldn't have been. But um, I kind of, you know, I I had this downward spiral for about the next decade where I did all the things I, you know, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. So like I did the birth control. I did two surgeries. I cut out so many foods and um, did everything to lower my estrogen. And at the end of the decade, I was feeling worse, um, which was you know a a shocking horror when you're 30 and you've done everything the doctors say to do and the holistic people are saying to do and you still feel really bad. Um, And some days we're better. And I think that's how it can get a little bit addicting the, oh, what's my next reach sort of thing going to be? Because I still feel a little bit better. So if I cut out more foods, maybe that will help me feel a little better. Like if I do this um, candida cleanse, remember when candida was like really big? It's coming back. It's coming back. It It was like a trending thing. So (laughs) I'll be self-diagnosing. I obviously had tons of candida, Um, but then we weren't getting pregnant. And this is kind of, I became furious which I'm very okay with because it was my silver lining I have chronic fatigue at this point and that's the fatigue where you're not just tired and a cup of coffee doesn't fix you you're like devastatingly tired it's hard to take a shower you know you can't exercise because you can't move I felt like like a zombie so the the anger actually fueled me to research endometriosis in a brand new light and the first thing I discovered was that endometriosis wasn't caused by estrogen. And my head just about exploded. I was like, what? What have I been doing this past decade? All this hormonal treatment, and, you know, all these lower estrogen at all costs, you know, DIM and cruciferous, everything else. Uh, so that was my first realization. And the second realization um, through the research on PubMed was that it's actually an inflammatory disease. So endo behaves more like something like an autoimmune disorder. Or even like a cancer than it does a hormonal disease so it's on the inflammatory disease spectrum and when i started treating my disease as this uh, uh, as an inflammatory disease so i was at the time i was treating it like it was an autoimmune disorder Um, i saw these healing gains that i didn't know was possible like my only goal was to get pregnant that's all i wanted to do and in the process i actually reversed symptom after symptom the point i achieved full clinical remission and you know if anyone with endometriosis has achieved full clinical remission you're like dancing on the rooftops like this is a miracle because it's not possible it's a, mm-hmm. it's a disease they say there's no cure
0: mm-hmm. and that's
1: the commonly talked about thing online there's no cure there's no cure it becomes a defining thing of the disease yeah. um so this you know it sparked all this stuff i did get pregnant i you know i now have two two babies uh and I, you know, I count my blessings for that, that I didn't have uh, advanced scar tissue adhesions or anything. I was uh, diagnosed early. I think that helped a lot, but um, but it's become kind of my mission in life now is to help educate about what endometriosis is and that it should not be seen as something like a period problem or a hormonal disease, or God forbid, just a woman's issue, you know, just put on the realms of gynecology because it's so much bigger than that.
0: Yeah, I hear that all the time. And I just, a lot of times, I guess, in the Western medicine, or honestly, not even just in Western medicine, I hear the only thing, the only thing that you can do for endometriosis is surgery and um while i have seen that help a lot of women i also get a lot of women post surgery and they're like i'm still in pain <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're still having so many issues like digestive issues and really bad periods and they are they aren't regularly ovulating and um i yeah I, I mean it's not caused by estrogen so i love that you you share that because um yes and estrogens connected which i'm sure we'll go into that but it's not right. causing you to have endometriosis so
1: yeah right um, that's kind of the you know the the doctor route is um hormones first yes. it's like that's what they're taught in OB-GYN school you know when, when doctor you know when they're becoming doctors they're taught that the the way you treat endo is you go on birth control as your lowest hanging fruit and then if that doesn't help then you do a diagnosis after that because there's no point in getting a diagnosis if they're just going to put you on birth control this is their their perspective not my perspective yeah. um and then so you do a surgery and then you know you go keep doing hormonal treatments from there mm-hmm. the endo um there's this the new education that comes out about endo about 10 years ago 15 years ago is that it's one surgery one time yeah and this is like from the endo specialist side of things that are they're legitimate specialists. So these are like, you go see a cancer specialist, you know, for yeah. these guys, they specialize in removing endometriosis, but it's, I think it's a, a really frustrating thing to say something like one surgery, one time, when they know, even when endometriosis is excised, maybe the, the leading professional in the nation, it still could come back. There's a small percentage that does come back, you know, it can be up to like 10% or maybe 15% over the course mm-hmm. of 10 years. Fifteen years, and um, and then putting one surgery one time is as if endometriosis is just lesions. Like that's the only problem that exists. Sort of like um, if you have acne, it's just that tiny minuscule acne on your face, not something systemic that's going on. So with endo, we have two things that are happening. One, it's it's a, a full body disease, not just full body where the lesions are. It's like there's immune components going haywire all over your body. Mm-hmm. There's chronic inflammation going on throughout your body. Um, you know, the hormonal imbalances can be throughout your body, all these different factors. And then there's that endo are almost, you know, they can be a culmination of this and mm-hmm. they, they contribute to it and they respond to it. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a full body thing. And when we see online, some people are saying, Oh, it's a full body disease because lesions can be anywhere. And again, yes, they can, they can be in your brain, you know, they can be in your nose, but it's beyond lesions as well. So that's why you can have a surgery and have your lesions removed But if you're not addressing the full body aspect, you know, the immune dysfunction, the wild inflammation that's going on, then you're not healing anew. And Mm -hmm. um, people used to say in the surgery world that surgery was curative because they thought it really was just the lesions. That's totally incorrect. So surgery becomes a way to manage your disease. And some people will absolutely need a surgery. Um, I want to make sure because you have so many holistic listeners, and I think so many of us want to avoid surgery at all costs. Yep. A surgery may be absolutely essential for some of us, to many of us. There's not research on that, uh, unfortunately, how many people actually do need a surgery. Um, but I like, there's Dr. Jessica Drummond. She's, uh, she's mm-hmm. a nutritionist, you know her, yeah. Yes. She um, she has a really cool approach to surgery and endometriosis. And her what she says is surgery is completely optional in that endo doesn't kill you. Like it's, it's a quality of life issue, mm-hmm. A, and it's a fertility issue, B. So if it's a quality of life is the only thing you're after and you can manage all of your symptoms, you know, by addressing these root causes, your endo feels like it's gone, um, then you wouldn't, you know, need to sign up for surgery. Even right. if you do manage your symptoms into complete remission and you haven't had babies and you do want them, you're on that boat, then I do like to recommend, you know, really recommend at least checking in with the specialist to see how far your endo is you can have silent endo without any symptoms mm-hmm. um and as you know a surgeon can be make it or break it i've i've heard from too many women you know that were diagnosed with irreversible scar tissue and damage you know at 34 35 and they missed their opportunity so if you can address it earlier on um it's definitely an important factor in our holistic you know the integrative care that endo requires
0: yeah especially like if you are wanting to have a kids and if you have silent endo it's like this buckles my mind when people are dealing with infertility and they're just like sent on their way. You have unexplained infertility, like your yeah. hormones are fine. And I'm like, uh, yeah, you
1: know,
0: nobody wants to talk about the fact that like your periods are irregular or you have painful periods yeah. or, you know, like just not even looking at that whole aspect and birth control is just, I just had a client that had, um, endometrious endometrial surgery. I don't even know how to describe that. And the doctor's like, well, you need to go on birth control so that it doesn't come back. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I don't want to do that. And I'm going to do this. And they just kind of go, okay, see you again. And like, years." <laughs> and yeah. she's like, um, no, like this has helped me feel so much better. So, you know, I had the surgery and now mm-hmm. I'm going to support my body and in, in this way. So, um, can we talk about what drives endometriosis? Can we like dive right in there?
1: Yeah. Well, okay, so it's big. And I think one of the, the factors holding back all this big information is that it's so vastly complex yes. that sometimes it's easier to say it's confusing. Mm-hmm. But um, my new ship that's sailing here is let's complexify this disease. Let's mm-hmm. like really understand how complex it is because when we understand, we can, you know, approach treatment options better. Mm-hmm. So endometriosis is an inflammatory disease rooted in immune dysfunction. So if you are unfamiliar with inflammation, this was me in my twenties. I thought inflammation was something you got. Like Mm -hmm. I ate sugar and that sugar is giving me all this inflammation, something like that. The reality is your immune system does inflammation. Inflammation is your immune system's army attacking. So uh, if you eat sugar and there's some cellular damage because of that sugar, your immune system picks up SOS, there's cellular damage, send inflammation. So you really want inflammation, you know, to protect you from cuts, you get to, you know, if you get cut, um, cutting chicken with all that E. coli, like inflammation is the first thing. It's like your innate Neosporin that goes straight Mm -hmm. to the wound. Well, in the case of an inflammatory disease, what you have is too much inflammation. So it's like basically everything... um, we do nowadays can cause cellular damage at some level it's not like we're just getting cut and then healing and moving on with life it's the stress it's the poor nutrition it's the all the chemicals it's you know etc 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 and there's so much inflammation your immune system is saying inflame 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 and it starts to go a little berserk and this is when there's immune dysfunction and this just means your immune system starts behaving it stops behaving normally. So it's Mm -hmm. doing things it shouldn't and it's not doing things it should. And this is the foundation for so many chronic diseases of our day. They're all in this, I call it, you know the inflammatory disease spectrum. Mm -hmm. And maybe on the left, you have the less severe inflammatory issues like acne Mm -hmm. or maybe like chronic allergies or, you know, eczema. Things that aren't, um, they're not killing you. You, they're, They're annoying nuisances, but they are right there rooted with systemic inflammation. Then you have on the more severe side of the spectrum, you have things like autoimmune disorders and cancer.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Endometriosis is right there on that spectrum. And um, there's there's different types of endometriosis. So I do think some might be way less severe than other types. Like why can some woman cut out dairy and literally reclaim her life? And it just sounds absurd to someone who has you know, endometriosis riddled throughout their body at the age of 25 and had to get a hysterectomy, you know, to the the most severe extent. So there's different types of endometriosis. So yours could be anywhere on the spectrum, but inflammation becomes the driver of endo in so many ways. So there's two um, fancy words here, and one is heterogeneous and the other Mm -hmm. is multifactorial, because, you know, just having inflammation doesn't, Equal endometriosis, so the heterogeneous means there's different types of endo. Um, Doctors diagnose three types right now. Um, It's like superficial, deep infiltrating, and endometriomas, which are uh, endometriosis-filled cysts on the ovaries. Mm -hmm. Then there's a a four, which is basically it's the rest and it's the holding pattern. And what research has right now is there's up to 65 different types of endometriosis. And these types have completely different behaviors. So they're actually acting different. And you can think of it like cancer, because a lot of us are more familiar with cancer in this way, that there's over a hundred different types of cancer and Mm -hmm. some are really slow growing tumors and some, you know, metastasize rapidly throughout the whole body. You know, you have a melanoma on the skin that's super minor, or, you know, some really terrible type of breast cancer. So, endometriosis appears to be similar in that way. There's all these different types that maybe someone has one very slow growing endometrioma, and other people are just riddled with a different type of endo. You can also have different types of endo in the same body. And this has been um, discovered in more recent literature, which makes the treatment options even a little bit more not confusing. It's complex, a little more complex when you're dealing with, oh, maybe I have a few different types of endo. So right now your doctor is not going to know that if you're listening to this, you're like, oh, I need to know the type doctors aren't testing um, for the genetic and epigenetic differences yet. And I I hope they will in the future, you know, hopefully there'll be specialists that will say, oh, this type of treatment works best for this type of endo. This is why dairy worked for cutting out, you know, this woman, because she had this type of endo and maybe this one is more associated with infertility. So there's that factor right there. Then there's, um, so multifactorial means there's many factors that feed into the inflammation. And this is where um, our, you know, our treatment plans can start to be better developed. The heterogeneous thing, that's just like fancy backup information. You can impress people with knowing that. But the multifactorial piece is inflammation drives endometriosis, inflammation, immune dysfunction but there's so many different factors that play into creating that inflammation and immune dysfunction.
0: Mm-hmm. So if
1: you imagine like an octopus and the brain is the inflammation, all the little arms make that octopus be able to move and live its daily life. So endos, it's similar that like each one of those arms is going to be a factor. So There's mm-hmm. a whole endocrine component to endometriosis, and it is really important to address estrogen is one hormone on the endocrine arm, you know, then there's a bacteria component that's really important. There's a genetic component. You can't do anything about that. Like you can thank your, your health history for that, your parents and your ancestors. Epigenetics are a really big one, right? We can start to tease out all these different factors and choose which ones we have control over and say, oh, I can address that inflammatory factor in my daily life or through working with a specialist. And then one by one, you start to just take away those inflammatory factors and see how your endo responds.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I'll have people say like, I did take out gluten and dairy and I'm still struggling. Or, um, I had a hysterectomy and I'm still struggling Mm -hmm. or I've done this and I'm still struggling. And I'm like, well, there's like so many things going on. It's like how are your drainage pathways? How is like, you know, your, your stress levels and your blood sugar. And like, it just, the, it just keeps piling on. Um, but since you, uh, talked about endometriosis, I mean, estrogen, can we like flip and continue talking about progesterone <laughs> actually? yeah, um, because I know that you talk about, um, progesterone as like one of the missing equations when it comes to estrogen and I know one of the symptoms that crops up a lot of times for women with endo is they start spotting um mm-hmm. in that luteal phase which is a big sign of low progesterone. Mm-hmm. Um so can we can we talk about that?
1: Yeah. Um so estrogen has been totally demonized by um the endo world, doctors everyone. You know, they're saying, <laughs> well, I, I, Endo appears to be caused by estrogen, which is not true, but, um, this is kind of the thing. So we have to get rid of estrogen. So this, we can, there's a few factors into the hormonal, um, component of endometriosis. So uh, progesterone resistance and low progesterone are both considerations. So, um, we can start at the microscopic level and maybe move to the body-wide level. So at a microscopic level, endometriosis lesions have genetic and epigenetic uh, abnormalities that make them more sensitive to estrogen and um, resistant to progesterone. And that just means that they, you know, your estrogen and progesterone receptors should be balanced in a certain way. You know, they balance each other out. Estrogen is a lovely hormone for female health, right? It makes us feel great if you've ever, um, watch someone go through menopause with hot flashes and mood swings and dry skin and thinning skin. Like that happens when estrogen lowers. So you need wonderful estrogen levels, healthy levels, balanced with progesterone, which stops the growth. You know, it's like the cooling factor, it's the anti-inflammatory. It's what helps build and shed your endometrial lining every month. Well, in the endometriosis cell, basically, you can have too many estrogen receptors, and then what's been shown is to have such extreme progesterone resistance that these cells can have um, minimal to zero progesterone receptors on an endometriosis cell. And what this means is that estrogen can grow the cell and there's nothing cooling it down, it's all growth. So this is where it becomes estrogen sensitive. These cells can also have a lot more estrogen receptors on them, and um, some of them are shown to have up to 140 times, which is a, you know an ungodly amount of estrogen receptors. This may be the people that have you know feel like it just spread like wildfire inside. It could be something like that, but um, so this creates a progesterone resistance issue. It becomes challenging in this aspect that you can technically have normal levels of progesterone, but if you have progesterone resistance at the cellular level, it just means you're not absorbing it.
0: I think the hardest thing when you're making product swaps to non-toxic living is finding things that are actually non-toxic and not greenwashed and actually work, that being the key phrase right there. I tried out Roe Castle Organics, spent my own money on this, you guys, and I am thoroughly impressed. And so I reached out and I got a discount code for you. So I wanna share with you some of my favorite product swaps to non-toxic that actually work, are actually non-toxic, and you're going to really, really, really like, okay? So, okay, it's really hard to choose, but number one has got to be their body butter. It's got to be. If you want your legs to look so smooth and so incredible and be so luxuriously moisturized, you need their body butter. It's my favorite thing ever. So that's going to be number one. Number two is gonna be their magnesium cream or gel. I use that at nighttime, so amazing. And if you really wanna optimize like how well you sleep, do their magnesium gel or their magnesium cream with their tart cherry juice because it has valerian and chamomile extract in it, so you're gonna sleep amazing. It's also great for blood pressure, which is cool. And then on top of that, I do their. you can do their deep sleep salve on the bottoms of your feet. You will sleep like a baby. And we all know how important sleep is for our hormones. And then I know that I love all of their products, but I'm going to give them two other honorable mentions because they are I think they're so important. You guys, their lymphatic cream is one of the coolest things ever. Make sure you drink enough water when you use it, but it's incredible. You can see the difference in inflammation in the face, like literally seeing people's faces thin out just by getting rid of inflammation. So I highly recommend the lymphatic cream. Also, if you ever get swollen ankles or anything like that, it's great to have on hand, like after you're hiking. The muscle joint cream is also awesome for that. And you guys, you want. This is gonna sound weird, but you want the baby bottom cream, and you want it for yourself. You you want it for your babies, but you want it for yourself because if you put this on after shaving, you get no razor bumps. It's it's like this magic potion. So anyway, those are all of the ones that I would start out with. You can go to rocasorganics.com. Use the code Leah L E A H for 20% off your first order. Yes, that's 20%. Definitely take advantage. So, is this where the, not the theory, but like that endometrial tissue is producing its own estrogen? Is that where that's this coming is,
1: from? That's that's a second. Okay. So, that's the second. So, that's the microscope. Okay. I jumped ahead. <laughs> okay. No, so that's great. It can move right into the environment surrounding the endometriosis. Okay. So, now endometriosis, um, it's sensitive to estrogen. So, it, actually is also altered that it makes its own estrogen. And um, so your endometrial lining will make like you know the tiniest fraction of mm-hmm. estrogen. Endometriosis also makes the tiniest fraction of estrogen but also makes aromatase. And this mm. is that, uh, you know it turns yes. testosterone to estrogen. Basically I just like to say it basically turns into estrogen. Yeah but it still only makes a little bit when provoked by inflammation. So your inflammatory immune factors are swarming this endometriosis lesion. Your lesion can make up to 48 times more estrogen, which brings back the inflammation component. Like if we're going to address estrogen locally, you actually need to remove that inflammation. Like you imagine you have 50 times less estrogen, you know, that's 50 times less food that your endometriosis can eat at the lesion site. And we have the ability to really address some of that inflammation right there. Um, So those are, those are the factors of the localized ones. And then it's the systemic imbalance. And I like to say you can have, there's nothing about having endometriosis. That means you have way too much estrogen that you are overflowing with estrogen. This is the, you know, the common theme we're told it's not true. You can, you absolutely can have too much estrogen, but you can also have normal levels of estrogen and you can have low levels of estrogen. And this is actually what I had back in the day. And it was why I felt you know, basically like crap, trying to always lower my estrogen. I should have been trying to raise my systemic levels of estrogen. You want balanced levels of estrogen. You don't want to have low levels, um, just because, and then I needed to raise, you know, you need to raise your progesterone a lot. Um, to yeah. the, the, but, um,
0: even this, the, uh, the resistance of progesterone I think is so important there. I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Carrie Jones at all. Um, mm-hmm. but she, I was listening to a talk by her and she was saying that she hopes she thinks the future of testing is going to get to that cellular level because mm-hmm. she said, why is it, you know, that women have all these symptoms of low progesterone, but their progesterone's normal, their estrogen's yeah. normal. And if you supplement, it doesn't get any better. And it's because those cells like, and people are like, oh, your supplement with progesterone, it will solve your issues. But yeah. if your cells are literally like, what the heck is progesterone? it it doesn't yeah. do anything.
1: So there's some factors in here. She's absolutely right and um you know I'm I'm really looking forward to the day that we can do a lot better testing I think in yeah. you know is advancing so fast. I hope in 10 years we look back and think oh 2022 is archaic, you know. <laughs> but until yeah. we get there there's um chemicals that are associated with progesterone resistance, you know. So like BPA If you expose Mm -hmm. endometrial cells to BPA, they become progesterone resistant, which means they lose progesterone receptors. And BPA um, is something we have such high levels in our body, even though it should come out pretty fast, it's because we're touching Mm -hmm. it and drinking it and eating it all day long. Mm -hmm. So that's something we can start to say, what epigenetic factors, what's making this happen, right? Like, why do I have such high levels of progesterone resistance? Oh, chemicals are like a really big one. So that's something I definitely talk about in the book is you want to limit your epigenetic exposures and see if you can start to retrain your cells to behave correctly. Um, so BPA is associated with endometriosis for that very reason, you know, higher levels of BPA in our bodies than someone without endometriosis. So it's actually like, you can test people for that if you remove the BPA, you know, just from your daily life, you can reduce those levels significantly. You know, we can't control what's going on in our city or our job site necessarily, but at home, we're in control. And the other one that's really associated with endometriosis is dioxins. Um, dioxins, you can, you can inherit these epigenetic alterations from your grandparents. So your grandma may have been exposed to dioxins and it epigenetically altered the cells to be progesterone resistant that's one thing that dioxins do so um make it you know clearing out the dioxins as much as possible as well so those are two chemicals you want to avoid and help your body purge so to speak yeah
0: so i feel like everyone knows what bpas are are think about plastics you guys plastics receipts um a lot of your like hair Paper products receipts. yeah and- a lot of
1: people don't think about that
0: um, that one's the weirdest one for me. Now I'm like, they're like, Do you want your receipt? I'm like, No, I do not they're like no
1: and you should be wearing gloves. Like, don't touch that cashier. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I know. Um, but dioxins, like, how would you how would you avoid and um start clearing those out? Well, obviously read your book, but
1: Um, Yeah, well, dioxins are, they're nuts, right? Um, There's some really cool information about dioxins, though, is that they had, they're some of the worst chemicals in the world, and it's very widely agreed upon. So there is this international cleanup around the 50s and 60s, because in the 50s, There were such high levels of dioxins, it was disgusting. And they're worldwide. They blow around in the breeze. Um, They they don't just stay put in one little area. Like if you're spraying Roundup on your plants, you know, it's like dioxins will just go. And they have this very long half-life. So they exist in the environment for a long time. So a lot of countries put, you know, stopping on dioxins. It's mostly around factories now, dioxins. But the levels have plummeted. They're like a tenth of what they were since the 50s. So there's still some that exist in the environment, and this is one of the things that they say to avoid red meat if you have endometriosis because meat mm-hmm. bioaccumulates dioxins, but it's, um, which is technically true. But what what when you dig into the research, I spent so much time looking at dioxins because I I'm really into supporting women eating red meat if they yes. are morally okay with it to heal. Um, so the dioxin thing. It literally just depends on where that animal was raised. You can have, um, there was, they did all these studies on cattle and how many dioxins. So like it was a steer from Alabama had something like, you know, 40 times more dioxins than most of the other ones. So it was just stuck in a wind pattern or maybe it was near a factory. And then when you pull out vegetables, they have, they can have just as much, if not more dioxins than beef or chicken. Um, They looked at, it was in Europe, they looked at, you know, poultry, veggies, fruit, vegetable oil, and meat. And it was all around um, equal. It was it was very, very, very close. So that don't let this scare you. I'm not just saying this to scare you. It's everywhere. So it that being said, dioxin levels as a whole are already down. Um, we can just, you know, I'd like to say we all have to eat. So the best way that I found through some of the research is actually chlorella. And yes. this is, yeah, it's an interesting supplement. So if you take it with food, you, um, you actually absorb less dioxins. If you take it um, in general as a supplement, it can actually reduce the amount of dioxins stored in your liver by a third. So it's sort of like, it can help pull these really nuts chemicals out of your body if you take it every day a little side note on chlorella you have to like buy the right brand you know because there's heavy metal toxic- I ha- we have to yeah, pause like, for a so second
0: <laughs> um this the timing of this is unreal so i'll have to make sure they come out in the right order but literally i just got off interviewing katherine Arnston who is the founder of energy bits and we, and they have algae like chlorella and spirulina. And we were talking about the processing of how making sure it doesn't have lead and all of this. Yes, stuff. Yeah. And I just am like, wow, it's just ironically, I just got off talking so to her about this. And then you're like,
1: take chlorella. So now everybody will <laughs> <go> get chlorella. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those supplements that I don't know if it's going to be life-changing overnight, but some of us have such a heavy burden of, you know, of chemicals. And as you become more fatigued, your body works less, less well over time, you know, you don't have enough nutrients, all these things, you just start to bioaccumulate toxins. That's just a natural thing that's going to happen, you know, to anybody that's not sweating and breathing and Mm -hmm. being right, you know, digestive issues. So um so chloral can be a very gentle thing to do if you commit to taking it you know for a year. or So it can also help um take out chemicals in breast milk for breastfeeding moms out there. Yeah. yeah.
0: And especially um you touched on the liver for a second. I know everyone uh, likes to come back with your liver is a self detoxifying organ. But like you said with the dioxins and BPA's and everything like our bodies weren't meant to like be walking around with, you know, just such a high load of toxins. And we wonder why like disease and inflammation is on such a rise. So again, um, like we talked about in that episode, like you guys, you literally just take chlorella, you know, like, that's not even like a life-changing thing you have to do. Like, we're not telling you to get up at 4 a.m. and take cold showers.
1: (laughs) No, we're not. And I, you know, I just watched a video on that recently. I'm like, oh, I can do that. And I'm like, no, I still
0: it's hard. I, I try and do like hot and cold. Um, especially like if sickness is going around just for like my lymphatic yeah. system. And the first time I turn on that cold, I'm like, oh, I can't breathe,
1: I can't breathe. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things that you have to like force yourself to do. I live on Kauai, so in the winter, I'm such a baby. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm cold, like at the beach wet. And it's, you know, I just went on this weekend and it was maybe like 70 degrees. And I was like, oh, it's like frostbitten here, you know? So I oh. need uh, you know, it's like a complete side rant. But yeah. I think being uncomfortable can definitely help um, heal in certain ways is just yeah. you know, addressing your level of discomfort and how much you can do yeah well.
0: yeah well sorry for that massive tangent so we're going <laughs> back to um dioxins but okay so chlorella is a great thing that you can do I also um one of my favorite things that you when I started following you was you talking about red meat and organ meat um mm-hmm. And all of that, because I talk about eating liver all the time. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, such this multi-nutrient and, um, I, I, where did the fear mongering start with endometriosis where it's as soon as you're told, um, you have endometriosis. So like, you can't eat meat, especially red meat.
1: Yeah. It's, um, it's a crappy recommendation and I, I followed it. You know, I say Part of me felt better when I cut out a bunch of foods at first mm-hmm. when I had endo. And then um, it was like over the course of years, I became significantly undernourished. And I think this was yep. one of the re- I, I was never told what to replace foods with the red meat thing. I think, you know, part of it, honestly, is coming from the grain lobby because they're telling everyone not to eat red meat. You know, there's all these, yeah. you know, the propaganda machine in general, but I don't want to sound conspiracy theorist. That's like there is a lot of you know mm-hmm. money being thrown around there. But um, there is such limited studies that show endometriosis is associated with uh, red meat consumption. And the biggest one comes from one called the Nurses Health Study, mm-hmm. which is like the longest running observational study of women's health. So they you know, ask all these nurses every four years, every four years, they give them a questionnaire. How do you feel? What do you eat, et cetera, et cetera. So the ones that had uh, endometriosis were also, they said, the ones who were eating the most red meat. Oh, boom, you should not eat red meat. This is what they said. Mm -hmm. But there's so much information on this, this observational study. It also showed the women who were eating the most red meat also were the most sedentary. They were the most likely to be smoking and drinking alcohol and eating trans fats. So it's like this really highly damaging set of lifestyle choices, right? Yeah. You know, you could say, well, why aren't we pulling out the smoking? Why are we pulling out the sedentary? It's just this red meat. And I imagine, um, you know, I have some family in inland California that they have, they eat a ton of red meat. That's all factory farm. They're not eating vegetables. They're not moving. They drink a lot and they smoke. Like they really fit into that category. Um, So on the other side of the spectrum, you have people who are part of like um, the paleo world who are saying, you know, eat, Whole foods, you know, and eat the way our ancestors ate, which was the organs. Like my husband hunts, and there's definitely some muscle meat, and then there's a lot of organ meats. And you don't just throw that away, you eat everything that's, you know. Um, So when I started eating like that, I so actually, do you know, Weston Price? Have you talked about? Yeah. Okay. So I found this Weston Price book a long time ago. Uh, when I was on vacation and I had, you know, the strict diet, I was eating super quote unquote clean, right? Like vegetarian, vegan on and off. I was basically like living on grains and fruit. And I didn't know why I was feeling so terrible. And this book is like, oh, our ancestors ate from snap to tail. They ate the organ meats, they ate the liver, they ate raw milk. And I was pissed at this book. I was so angry because I was like, these people should be dead. Like they obviously weren't reading modern nutrition. Like (laughs) It was just so angry, but I I was thinking about this book and I started to, you know, I, I started to major in anthropology when I was in college. And so it really stuck with me. I was like, great, of course they were eating that stuff. Like when I lived in Senegal, like they ate all the parts of the goat. Like this is, that makes mm-hmm. sense. i they didn't have chronic disease. It was like the slow turning of the tides. And that's when I started to question everything I had been told about red meat. And look, there's zero, there's literally zero evidence, direct correlation, direct correlation between red meat consumption and endo. Um, Mm -hmm. and looking at that research combined with, great, So people have been eating like this. What if I tried it? And so I was absolutely disgusted, but I started forcing down liver. Um, and I called it my like ancestral red bull because it started to actually reverse my chronic fatigue between raw milk and liver. My life started to come back into focus. And I say, it's like the clouds lifted from my life. And Mm -hmm. this led me to do even more research on all of, all of it. And I talked Deeply about it, in, in the book, the importance of getting these micronutrients from food to start reversing these nutritional deficiencies that almost all of us with endometriosis have. And these nutritional deficiencies, you know, they contribute to immune dysfunction. If you don't have mm-hmm. enough uh, of, you know, antioxidant nutrients, so you literally cannot stop inflammation. You cannot stop it. And inflammation that's not stopped turns into scar tissue and adhesions. Mm-hmm. So having a nutrient dense anti-inflammatory diet does not just become about um, um, stopping or managing symptoms of endo, it may help actually stop endometriosis progression, scar tissue, and adhesions. Now, there's no research, obviously, um, that has said, okay, we're going to put these women on this diet and then we're going to look inside. That just that type of research doesn't happen. But you can say, if you don't have enough, you can't stop it. You know, if you just work a little backwards, mm-hmm. uh, and even if it is just addressing the symptoms itself, that can be life changing.
0: Yeah. Uh, Reading that book probably was like, I don't know. (laughs) I can see why you were so pissed because I, I have so many vegans who they come, they start out vegan and at the end of our session of working together, they're not vegans anymore. (laughs) by their own choice like i'm not like forcing them but after like looking at their labs and then changing Mm -hmm. some things with their their nutrition they're like okay i feel a lot different and yeah you know i know sometimes when they start being vegan or vegetarian whichever they're like i feel amazing for like what i don't know a couple months maybe a year Mm -hmm. maybe a couple years and then over time yeah they get severely Mm malnourished and um Can we talk about that for a second? Like the difference in the vitamins, um, because I know I've seen you talk about this, uh, the difference in vitamins between plants and then meat and then specifically the vitamins that like you need if you have endometriosis because you are lower in them, which is, is it vitamin A and zinc or my like yes yeah
1: uh, yes good memory yeah um vitamin a is one um zinc and iron you know they're mm-hmm. really um the best form to absorb them from as animals mm-hmm. and they are absolutely essential for um well for a healthy well-functioning body and then they're important for endometriosis yeah. so we just talked about bpa for example yeah Vitamin a is called retinol and that's in its it's form that you as a human use to, um, gosh, for everything. I say your immune system is a binge drinker of vitamin A. And if you had a grandma like me, my grandma was on Christmas every year would give everyone cod liver oil. And I'm like, oh, you're disgusting <laughs> grandma. And now like I literally give my kids cod liver oil. Cause it's such a great source of vitamin A, um, liver and vitamin A, your best sources, or I'm sorry, liver and, um, cod liver oil. Cod oh, sorry, cod liver yeah. oil, yeah, and egg <laughs> yolks. They're like the really good sources of vitamin A, yeah. preformed vitamin A. This is what you really want to eat. So um, if you're vegetarian, you're told to eat beta carotene. And this is a precursor to vitamin A. Your body has to turn it into vitamin A. I like to say that, you know, like any magic trick, you need a lot of things to happen to make that magic happen. Yeah. Or if you're going to make um, cookies, you know, you have to take that flour and add a ton of ingredients to make it into a cookie. The same thing goes for transforming one nutrient into another. You need a bunch of nutrients um, to go into this. So if you're deficient in them, then you won't be able to, to make that transition. So you know, you can have all the beta carotene in the world, but if you're already deficient in other nutrients or you're stressed, you know, there's so many other things going on, your body's not gonna prioritize that. It doesn't care. So you won't have enough vitamin A. Something about vitamin A, it's absolutely necessary to detoxify BPA from the body. So 51% oh, of Americans don't get enough vitamin A as is. If you have an inflammatory disease or a disease-rooted in immune dysfunction, you might need even more vitamin A. This is where like an RDA, you know, RDI recommended daily intake for someone who's healthy can be really different for from the amount of nutrients you need, because you have this, I say, like a wildfire versus a candle. Like you're going to need a lot more water to put out the wildfire. If that water is nutrients, you need a lot more nutrients than your friend that doesn't have endometriosis. So you might need more vitamin A than someone without it. Um, So the best thing to do is to get it through foods. And the only way to do that is, you know, your liver and your cod liver oil um, and egg yolks, right? So there's different things that people are really, really squeamish you can supplement with synthetic A, but A is kind of, it's a weird one to supplement with synthetically. So I would leave that to, you know, if you're, um, you know, to talk with a nutrition person and yeah. Or you, know, you know, your own personal journey here.
0: And quality of where obviously you're getting your, your liver from is important. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think? So I've had some people where I have tried very hard to get them to eat liver and they're like I'm all about it Leah I just I just can't do it um and so they'll do like it encapsulated um uh so do you have any companies or places that you would recommend for that or are you just like suck it up honey swallow the liver
1: um (laughs) my husband would laugh (laughs) I think I've said that to him before um so (laughs) Yeah. I mean, in our family, we, you know, we changed our entire way of life and we literally live this. I was disgusted by liver and, um, I, you know, I couldn't get it down. I would, I would blend it and then just yeah. take shot of it. Like this was, this is my thing, right? Other people freeze it. You can freeze it into a yeah. but if it's the only way you're going to get down liver, um, and you have the money for it, cause it can get, it can get expensive getting these liver supplements. If that's not an issue for you, um, you know, I like to say there's some really good, I don't know the brand. It's like hundred percent grass-fed New Zealand variety. Ancestral
0: supplements. Yes.
1: Yeah. Just look for a hundred percent grass-fed because there's mm-hmm. a lot that just say grass-fed and that doesn't mean anything. So get the hundred percent grass-fed, you know, um, a, a, do you have a good brand that you recommend? I like ancestral supplements. They're my
0: go-to for pretty much all that. Um, and I do recommend those to people. Cause like for some people, I mean, I I try <laughs> or if like, they're like, let's say in an apartment complex or they're a college student and they're like, I can't like store this and things yes, like right. that. Then it, it's, it's better than nothing. But, um, you do to get the seven ounces a week, you have to take six capsules of liver a day, yeah. um, which gets expensive. It's like $50 a month. So like right. opposed to like I don't know. You can get grass-fed beef liver, like $7 for like a pound or something.
1: Yeah. And if you have um, a lot of grass around you and therefore mm-hmm. cattle, like we have on Kauai, I get a whole cow liver for $20. Yeah. So if you've ever seen a whole cow liver, it's like 20 pounds. <laughs> it's like so big. <laughs> Um, so, yeah. you know, you can make, you can make that, that um, you know, reaching out to different ranchers nearby. It's definitely not everyone's um, case that they have something like that available to them. Mm-hmm. But I was like to say, you know, over time, like there's nothing wrong with taking a pound of beef and mixing mm-hmm. in a tablespoon of liver. And mm-hmm. then it's not so scary. And then next week miss it mix in two tablespoons. Mm-hmm. Um, mix the what I think makes liver taste great is if you I still don't like the taste of it. Like my husband now, he can eat liver and onions. So I'm like, that's disgusting. Why would you That that's <laughs> me. I think it's disgusting. It's too much for me. But I always, you know, if you mix um bacon and liver in equal portions and then mm-hmm. you mix that into beef, it really hides the flavor. It almost adds like an umami. So it actually makes the meat more delicious rather mm. than more gross. Um, okay. I tried like kidney and liver and beef once and almost died. It was so, so gross, but bacon is like the missing ingredient. So if You can do bacon and liver, mix that, like cook it and blend it and then add it into ground beef, um, you know, for anything, for chilies, for, um, you know, a,
0: a we roast. would Yeah. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of the measurements of what I did and I have zero idea, but like we would do meatloaf anytime you made like Mm -hmm. meat sauce, chili hamburgers. Yeah. Um, we just stick it in there. Um, and that way I, I didn't taste it except for my husband would try and tell, he's like, which one's the healthy burger, (laughs) which one's the normal burger. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not telling you.
1: You have Uh, to try them and guess
0: yeah so that i found worked worked fine um but yeah okay so i guess off the liver train so what are some other um so these are eating this way and changing getting rid of your dioxins and your bpa and all of that is obviously going to help us get more sensitive to progesterone um which we need so what are some other things that you know we should do because obviously we know that like lowering estrogen isn't really the solution here so we're getting in our right. liver and we're getting in some more liver and we're
1: you reducing just talking about liver <laughs> we're <reducing laughs> Okay. so there's there's so much and there's so much we could talk about in. And- um, you know, just to touch on the estrogen thing. If you do have high levels of estrogen, there are people with really high levels of estrogen, yeah. right? Like it is important to bring that down because that is an issue. So I don't want this to seem like, mm-hmm. oh, estrogen is not an issue. Um, Cause it can be for some people, again, you want healthy levels of systemic estrogen and then healthy levels of systemic progesterone. So that's, you know, just a mm-hmm. summary of, of that. So maybe it's not so confusing. Um, and then again, at the localized endo lesion level, getting rid of the inflammation that could be provoking um, estrogen production at the localized level. Um, now for like, what else could we do? Because I don't know how much um, more time we have. Of We have like 15 bath. minutes. <laughs> 15 minutes. Okay, so let, I like to um, just talk about the low hanging fruit and the free fruit because having a chronic disease sometimes makes us all immediately jump to, I don't wanna say snake oil, but sometimes, like seeking, well, what's going to cure me? And what yeah. can I throw money at this problem? you going to throw money at this problem to fix it. And it's like mm-hmm. supplements, programs, specialists, these things mm-hmm. add up so much. Like, God yeah. knows everything's expensive right now. Inflation's expensive. Having a chronic disease can be expensive. But what I see a lot is people do um, all these really expensive things. They feel like they're doing everything. They're really just spinning their wheels. They're not feeling better, and they say, "Oh, this is incurable condition. Like, uh, this sucks. I'm over it." Um, the reality is, you can do the basics for free. And I listened to your last podcast, "The Healing Hustle," and mm, yeah, yeah. Um, was it K- Kara? Kara? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Kara Baroni. Kara, yeah, she, the way she described her life was the way I would have described my life 10 years yeah, ago. She has way endometriosis. Just, oh, does she? That yeah. is so funny. Okay. Because this is, this was so interesting in research. If, if you did listen to that podcast, she's basically saying how she was so stressed without realizing it all because it was her way of living. She would just mm-hmm. rush from one thing to the other and she's checking your emails. She's doing all these things. And someone would say, Well, have you lowered stress? She's like, I'm not even stressed. What are you talking about? And I was like, That was so <laughs> me. I was, I was so, I had so many stress hormones you know we think of this word stress as like oh I have a very stressful career and it's like well I don't have a stressful career so I'm like what do I have to be stressed about and my head is like everything you're in so much danger there's not enough time like mm-hmm. you know thing after thing and um in this questionnaire that went out for women with endometriosis two-thirds of women with endo said they were had so much chronic anxiety that it was a personality trait versus mm-hmm. 8% of women who didn't have endometriosis thought as a personality trait. So this is really important to understand that when you know stress and anxiety should be a fluid thing, like you're really stressed about a test or giving a yeah. speech at a wedding or something, but it comes and goes. But when we think it's who we are at our core, that means every day your body is flooded with the exact same immune factors that endo requires to thrive, right? It's mm-hmm. progressed by inflammation when you're stressed, your body doesn't know if you're stressed from a leopard chasing you, or because you're like scrolling on doom's news or whatever it is, it just, you know, floods your body with the, with the exact same, um, you know, the fight or flight hormones, which then Mm -hmm. signal to your immune system, we're in danger, we're in danger. Um, and this becomes a cyclical thing. So addressing that is so vital and it's Mm -hmm. hard to say stress less when people don't even know they're stressed. Right. Yeah. So, um, is it, when I, you know, talk to clients, I say, well, do you feel like you're rushing a lot? Oh, yes, all the time. Do you feel like you have enough time to do anything? No, I have no time, you know, so you start to say, well, actually, let's, (laughs) let's start to question all these things. These are all stressors, you know, let's not think of stress as like a career woman stress, or, Mm -hmm. you know, I have to work three jobs, and I'm a single mom type of stress, like you can have stress and have the most relaxed life in the world, and still be really stressed out. So addressing that, and in my book, I say, well, let's change the perspective. Let's flip the switch and say, um, let's create a life of safety. Instead of saying, why am I stressed? Say, like, what's unsafe right now? And um, let's try to, we can actually mitigate how much we uh, interact with those stressors every day, like social media. Most people are on social media, like five hours a day or something is the average. It's a huge amount. Social media is very stressful. Um, There's no relaxing on social media. Um, The news, screens, there's all this stuff. And um, since we have limited time, listen to that last episode. Uh yeah. everyone about that healing hustle. That's like yeah. a great one. And then that will signal to your body too to actually start to balance your hormones naturally. So that's the first thing you, you want to let your body know, you know, because your sex hormones are really down the stream hormones. So if you have a hormonal imbalance, which a lot of us with endo do, we do have a hormonal imbalance, mm-hmm. but instead of nitpicking, because you don't know what your imbalance is or you know how much estrogen you have don't think about that for a minute just go you do the up the line hormones which is your danger danger hormones are you safe or not hormones and that's mm-hmm. going to be you know cortisol and insulin so address that blood cortisol sugar. Right
0: yeah yeah blood sugar is like so massive and it's something free cuz <laughs> that's the other thing sugar. right yes yeah um so oh okay so i just need to like backtrack and recap for some people because I have this, it's like pulling teeth. So whenever I work with clients, um, we start talking about managing stress, like it's in all of their protocols and they always are like, I'm not stressed Leah. And I'm like, (laughs) me too. I have that same issue. (laughs) Yes. Yes, you are. (laughs) I know you're stressed because you're here. (laughs) Like if you have hormonal issues, you're probably stressed. Um, so definitely, I think just, just start that, but also I know that we had this conversation the other day, but everybody like nobody sticks to anything like you, you have to stick and be Mm -hmm. consistent because Mm -hmm. it's going to take a while to heal. So like, don't just try and be looking for the next thing to try. You know, you have to settle in and be consistent with what you are trying and then actually be consistent. Like, I know that that just seems like cliche, but Um, I have, uh, a past client actually, and I'm sure she will call herself out on this because we had a laugh about it. Um, but she had put this post in one of our alumni groups and she's like, oh, I'm struggling with blah, blah, blah. And I'm so frustrated because I feel like I'm doing all of the things I'm supposed to. And then she came back later that day because it just happened that I had put out a podcast episode on the foundations of your health. And she goes, Never mind. I'm gonna actually try and be consistent <laughs> with my protocol for three months. I'll check back in. Yeah. And it's that's how true it is. Like we think we're doing everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I you know, hear lots of times people are like, I eat healthy. Like today was just an off day because I had to rush my kid to school. And then the next day, I really do eat healthy. Like I mm-hmm. really get outside and exercise. I just didn't have time today because of XYZ. And that turns into every day. So even though like we think we eat healthy. Like that's the end goal. We, we think we're managing our stress. If we actually sit and do an audit, it's like, well, my days are basically my life right now.
1: And it's hard. Like when you come from a place of, you know, deep chronic stress or anxiety flustered, and then you're also not eating well, and you're also sedentary that just meeting Mm -hmm. those foundations, you're like, well, I don't have time for that. Like Yeah. Um, That's going to take a long time, but that is exactly what you're saying. It's so much more important to get, um, get your, say your nutrition dialed for a year, figure out no matter what, no matter if you're rushing out the house, you already know that you spent Sunday because every Sunday afternoon you spend three hours making some school lunches (laughs) and some pre-made breakfast. Like you figure every time a problem comes up, that's why I like to reframe stressors, don't let it trigger you. Take control of it. Say, okay, this is that was an issue. That's a problem I need to solve. Solve every problem that comes your way, and take your time solving them. That is what's going to get you those those healing gains at the end of the day, like you're saying. And that's part of my issue. You know, I have this um, not really a love hate relation relationship with social media. It's mostly a disdain for it because there's so much information out there. Like when I go on, even as a health practitioner, it's like, oh, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. And there's so much to do, but you have to go back and be like, are my basic foundations being met? Like, why am I even on social media if dinner's not ready? Like, we know what, I have to do the food shop. I have to do this list. Like having a, a whole foods lifestyle is more work than a convenience, you know, food lifestyle. So you have to make it, you know, incorporate it into your life and then as a scaffold skills from there, because then it becomes second nature, like, you know, getting kids out of the house and having a stressed morning, but you, it wasn't even an option to eat, you know, what you were mm-hmm. eating before, you know, or mm-hmm. like grabbing some sort of fast food on the way or something is, it wouldn't be as much of an option. Of course, like sometimes things happen,
0: mm-hmm. but like,
1: you know, if you're going to make it your lifestyle, really sticking with it and, um, you know, making movement a part of your life, making problem solving a part of your life, like learning how to, deal with addressing anxiety, understanding if you're a sensitive person and being okay with being a sensitive person in a world Mm -hmm. that doesn't do well for sensitive people, you know, and limiting the amount of, uh, you know, stressful incidents that you come Mm -hmm. across. I'm totally in agreement with you, you know, just getting those foundations. I know even when, when COVID hit, I got in my email box, it was like uh, of course. A, a great number of former clients all of a sudden, my endo's back, my endo's back. It was overnight. And you're like, stress, my friends, you know, like, mm-hmm. let's really, really need to start addressing that. Well, COVID was nuts for everyone, but it was a great example.
0: It, it really is. And I think um, one of the biggest things I find myself doing with clients is, yes, like, you know, there is some knowledge that needs to be imparted. Like it needs to be like, they need to learn some things, but I feel like the majority of the things that we do are learning how to attainably change a lifestyle Mm -hmm. to make it a healing environment for their body. Because, um, I feel like all of us can maybe buckle in and like try and rough our way through it for maybe 30 days mm-hmm. because we're like, we're just gonna do it for 30 days. But if you truly wanna be in that healing environment, you you have to be in that for the long term, which is like not letting like weddings or anything like derail your progress. So it's like, how do you put those things in place? And like, for example, today, I know I was talking about this on social media (laughs) of all places. (laughs) Um, But today for some odd reason turned into like a million calls days. Like I have interviews, I have calls and I had calls with my team and, you know, I could have been like, oh my goodness, I'm just going to try and like figure this out. But yet last night I was like, okay, what's for breakfast? Get that ready. Is lunch ready? Is lunch meal prepped? Is lunch something that I can grab with one hand? Um, like <laughs> while I'm breastfeeding? Is my like, are my water bottles filled up? Do they have my electrolytes in them? And all that type of stuff because I knew that if I just waited and tried to figure it out the day of, I would be so flabbergasted.
1: <laughs> You'd be stressed.
0: Yeah. And yeah. so I think like you, you learn, you, you have to practice that muscle of yeah. consistency because you aren't going to heal in 30 days.
1: No. And that is, um you know, it's the big thing that there's these 30 day pushes, but you can't, like you're saying, you can muscle through it, but um healing from chronic disease, you know, healing mm-hmm. hormones is really, you know, it's a long haul deal going on. So it is like Getting comfortable with doing little things bit by bit and not getting it all at once. You know those like 30-day body transformations for working out. It's like to get your ligaments strong. You know to strengthen your feet to get your alignment. You know, you know, Dr. Angie's course of hypo, Oh my gosh, I've been doing hypopressives for like two years and I still see little bits of progress. Where it's one of the only things fitness-wise I've ever stuck with because I felt such amazing difference from it. Um, But it's like it just builds on itself and that's how I feel almost in life as you know, not becoming an adult. Cause I'm 30, 37, I am an adult, but you know, you just you keep getting a better and better at stuff. Like I'm always getting better and better at being a mother and better and better at um, living our healthy lifestyle while juggling things, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. it's not like you were born doing all this, you know, as much stuff as we're doing now, but you just get better at it and become second nature without the stress. Cause I used to do so much less and be stressed about everything. And now I feel very calm and collected and in control of all of it. And Mm -hmm. it can happen. It just takes practice, like you're saying. Yeah. Flexing
0: that muscle. Oh my goodness. So I don't know if you're taking any clients at this moment, but I'll obviously put your information down below, but everybody needs to go get your book, um, which it is a number one bestseller, isn't it? I saw that. Yeah, I saw that little tag.
1: I know I am. Um, I'm so honored to be a, 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 this is the number one bestseller um, on Amazon in the endometriosis category when there's some incredible books there. So, you know, it just makes my heart sing. Um, I'm not taking clients, but my website is healendo.com and it is just tons of free information. There's lots of blogs. There's lots about food. Um, there's videos. You know, I made some cartoon videos just explaining what endometriosis is in four minutes flat. So if this was a little bit too much for you go back and watch those um we just really have to know what our disease is in order to take control of it you know and there's so many options out there you have to read your own body um which yep. hopefully the book can help help offer yep. a roadmap and you know explain some of these things more in depth at promise nutrition talks more about liver <laughs> talks a lot about liver (laughs) but there's way more to nutrition than just managing symptoms Uh, we really have to bring a body at the brink of you know immune dysfunction how do you re-regulate the immune system and it says there's there's literally ways that we start Mm -hmm. to do this and it may be easier than you think and it may involve a team of professionals you just don't Mm -hmm. know until you start looking but you really have to take endometriosis seriously um you know it's not a period problem like you said if you want to have kids like sit down and and do the research. Read the book. Read it two or three times, and start to make mm-hmm. a plan. You know to reclaim your life. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. It is.
0: Well, thank you so much for hopping on. I thoroughly enjoyed this, and I know everybody's mind is probably exploding. Which is. Good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I hope it wasn't too much. No. <laughs>
0: The Hormone Reset program is opening back up, which is so exciting. We only have this program three times per year. It is a group coaching program. And so obviously it's a much um, more cost effective investment than doing one-on-one coaching. So if you're like, hey, I need a good jumping off place. I need to start feeling better. Then this would be a good place for you to start feeling amazing. So if you have been feeling like you're terrified of the pain when your periods show up you believe that like symptom-free and pain-free periods are totally impossible you wake up with migraines you struggle throughout the day you have to call in sick to work you've done everything you just can't drop the weight you're tired and fatigued or maybe you're on the complete opposite end of the spectrum and you haven't had a period in months or years or maybe your periods take you out not because of the pain but because of the mood swings and you're just like you feel like you want to tell somebody before your period. You're moody and anxious. You're like, "I can't even relate to the women who knows when their period's going to show up because like mine are all over the place." Um you and so then you're just like, "Well, I want to get pregnant. I don't have a period. Like why is this not working?" So then this is going to be for you. So this is a group coaching program. It's 8 weeks. Um you get group coaching calls once a week you get a facebook accountability group Um, you get recipes you have your training modules you also get weekly workouts which are really cool you get access to some pretty cool guest speakers like we have a pelvic floor therapist that comes on and talks about the placement of your uterus and how pelvic floor therapy can help balance your hormones so you guys i'll put the link to join the waitlist in the show notes but you guys Literally, it, this is one, uh, it's just, it's such a life-changing program and we try and make it as accessible to as many women as possible with payment plans. So I truly invite you, if you are like, I just don't know what else to do, then this is probably a very good fit for you. If you are worried about it, please send me a message because I want to make sure that you feel empowered and strong about your decision to join and so therefore if you are in any way worried please reach out and talk to me um because i want to make sure that it's a good fit for you okay so if you join the waitlist, you'll get a fancy email And it will give you a discount code and if you join from the waitlist you guys and save your spot for this next round um you get to save like over a hundred dollars so use that coupon code save your spot early so that you know the the coupon code does expire so save it use it save your spot take advantage of the payment plans let me know if you have questions